Welcome to The Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Season 5 of LRN's Principled Podcast. My name is Ben DiPietro. I'm the editor of LRN's ENC Pulse Newsletter. You can find that on our website, lrn.com. Click the Resources tab and then click on the Newsletter tab. And please sign up. We'd love to uh, have you as a subscriber. With me today is Cheryl Kerbeam, the Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer for Coteva AgriScience, a global agriculture company that launched as a publicly traded company in June of 2019. Cheryl leads a global team to implement an ethics and compliance program that includes the creation of the company's first ever code of conduct, an ethics and compliance hotline, employee training and certifications, and a mobile app. Let's welcome Cheryl. How are you today? And thank you for taking time. I am well. Thank you, Ben, for the opportunity to speak with you today. It's good to have you here. So tell us a bit about your journey in the world of ethics and compliance. How did you become interested in this? And tell us a little bit about the career path you've taken to get where you are now at Corteva. I would like to say that Corteva sells People think we're an ag company, so that can mean a lot of different things. But I wanted to let you know that we sell seeds, we sell crop protection, and digital solutions for farmers. So how I started my journey is I'm a mechanical engineer by training. I have both a, a bachelor's and master's in mechanical engineering, and so it's not likely that I would have ended up in ethics and compliance. But I spent the first third of my career in operations and operations leadership assignments. The second third of my career was spent in sales and marketing, and I had some really fun jobs um, in sales and marketing. And one of those fun jobs was to provide and support the fibers and fabrics that go into firefighter clothing. Um, it was one of the best jobs ever, but it required a lot of travel. And I was out of my home three out of the four weekends. I was gone 80% of the time. And around that time, I got married and had children, and it just became so challenging with the travel and managing my personal life. And so I started to think about other career options for me, and then I looked for roles within the business because I love the sales and marketing side. So I started doing compliance for the business, which led to corporate compliance for the company that I was with. I was with Heritage a Legacy Company, DuPont at the time. And then um, I was asked to join Corteva in 2018 before we, we launched our company. And I had the privilege of being promoted into the role for Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer. And so I've added a now data privacy to my responsibilities as well as enterprise risk management. And so tell us a little bit about the program then. You've uh, basically sort of started everything. How is it structured and who do you report to? Our ethics and compliance program is structured globally. So we have major commercial regions around the world. So we have an ethics and compliance officer in each of the major regions. So we have one for U.S. and Canada. Another person covers Latin America. One covers Europe. One covers Africa, Middle East, and one covers Asia Pacific. So that's also the the way that we're structured with data privacy. My role reports into the general counsel, who's also our board secretary. And then we also have a governance structure. So our executives sit on our what we call our ethics and compliance committee, and we meet quarterly. 
and they provide oversight for our program, for our policies, and our initiatives. And then I also have um, regular updates with our board of directors. So that's how we're structured. So tell us a bit about the company's core values and how those values are reflected in your culture and your code and the role that ENC plays then in disseminating those values and making sure everybody in the company knows of them and is working to adhere to them as much as they can. I really like that question because um, the purpose of our company we think we're here to feed the world. And so the official purpose of our company is to enrich the lives of those who produce and those who consume, ensuring progress for generations to come. And I love the part about our purpose being for not only for me, but for people that come behind me. So everything we do kind of starts with our purpose, our code, which LRN helped us to develop, and our supplier code of conduct start with our purpose. And then we talk about our values. And so we have six key values. One of the values is around be upstanding, which we, we have owned that in the ethics and compliance space. But the other ones are to enrich lives, to stand tall, to be curious, to build together, and to live safely. So our code is titled, We Are Upstanding. So it's a flip on the value, be upstanding. And everything that we do, all the courses that we launch through LRN, start with We Are Upstanding. So that's one message that we keep core to us in ethics and compliance. And when we launch our annual training, we have a Be Upstanding month. And that month is dedicated to, and we, we started this last year, dedicated to you know webinars and activities and also just a fun and creative way to launch our annual training campaign. Obviously, COVID is uh, impacting you guys the way it's impacting everybody. How is it changing the way you try to maintain continuity in your messaging and training and support for employees? I think COVID has had an impact on everyone. And when you think about 2020 and some of the key words and phrases, you know, you think about pandemic, you think about Zoom, you think about racial reckoning, you think about the presidential election. All of those things, in addition to COVID, kind of, you know, have merged together and they will probably always be with us. So it was a year for us, and it still is, a year of resilience. And so everything that we've thought about for 2020 and 2021, everything has to be thought of in a virtual content. All of our training is now virtually delivered. But we've been very creative. You know, we get to see the creativity of our employees of how to not only title things, but make things interesting and interactive. And we've trained outside of our online training, just in the webinar format, we've trained over 11,000 of our employees that way. Another key shift for us and probably for all companies is how you conduct ethics investigations. Instead of flying to a location and conducting in-person interviews, we really had to shift the way that we interview and collect information so that it's in a virtual format. And we've had to even hire external investigations companies to help us and assist us with some of the more complex investigations. And I think one of the, the key things that has changed is how we get employees to speak up and seek help and how we're able to detect issues in the workplace. Because no longer can you 
just have a conversation with someone that sits next to you or in the hallway, people have to be more intentional about it. And so we have had to step up our messaging around the use of the hotline, how it works, how it's managed by a third-party vendor. It's a great way to report things anonymously. Those are some of the key changes that we've had to really think about. And the last thing I want to mention, and I don't know if other companies had to deal with this, but we've had to really address the use of social media. And so with the monumental, I call it, presidential election that we had in the U.S. last year, people have felt free to share their opinions and ideas. And we certainly don't look at employees' personal social media accounts. But when issues are brought to us, you know, we have to remind our employees that what they say and what they write, whether it's within the company, but also on social media, it has a reflection on who we are as a company. And so we've had to really think about sharing that message with our employees that we're not actively looking at their social media, but what they say and what they write reflect positively and negatively on our company. Beyond remote work then, what do you think will be the lasting legacy of this pandemic and the way it changes the role of ethics and compliance and the CEO? My perspective is that, let's face it, we're never going to be traveling at the same levels we were traveling before the pandemic. And so we have to adjust. It's not just a temporary adjustment to a virtual and remote workforce. I think it's a permanent one. And we have to adjust and continue to communicate how employees can speak up and seek help. So I don't think that's going to change either. And I think another lasting legacy, which I spoke about, is you know how we do investigations. So that'll be a permanent change. But I think the thing that I haven't really touched on is the hiring of talent, which I think is a real positive. I've had the pleasure of hiring three people on our team remotely. And I think what that does is you no longer have to restrict people to a geography to get great talent. And I think that's a great positive that no longer will you have to require that people be in one of our three headquartered locations or be near one of our major global centers in order to be in ethics and compliance. How do you do the onboarding? <laughs> Everything so is ev- that's another great question. So we do all of the talent scouting virtually. Um, we do the interview panels virtually. People meet into a Zoom room. We also onboard them virtually. We have a phenomenal ethics and compliance team, but we also have phenomenal IT support. And so they ship them the computer. They set up a virtual onboarding session for their computer and phone. We set up mentoring appointments virtually. So everything that we do to onboard new employees is virtual. You mentioned a little bit before last year was a a bit of a strange one, uh, certainly politically. And also part of that was the cry for racial justice that led to worldwide protests following the killing of George Floyd by Minneapolis police, which no doubt affected you as a woman of color. Can you talk about, since all that's happened, what are you thinking and uh, are you hopeful that it will lead to some meaningful change? So for the audience, yes, I am a black woman. I'm the proud mom of two black teenage boys. I'm married to a black husband. So For me, the killing of Mr. Floyd was one of several horrible killings that we've had to witness, unfortunately, through social media or through the news channels. 
because I deal with this probably every day for, for many, for many black families, this is the reality that we have to deal with about safety, personal safety. I am hopeful. I'm very hopeful. My faith gives me a lot of hope. It was deeply painful to actually witness Mr. Floyd being killed. I think one of the fortunate parts, if you can even say that, was that other people got to witness it too. And I, what gave me hope was that the global community responded. They responded by using peaceful protests. And really companies responded as well by making hopefully meaningful change about the way we tend to look at people. And so, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading and reflection on my own but I have a great homework assignment for anyone that is listening and, and someone who wants to read a good book. So I've been digesting a book called Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. And it really parallels the U.S. culture with Indian culture with some very horrible things that happened during the Holocaust. And it just it really provides a picture on structural or systemic racism just to give an understanding of how we got to where we were, to see how big the problem is. And I am very hopeful that once you understand the problem, you can fix the problem. Yes, let's hope as we go forward here. Let me ask you one final question then, and thank you again for taking time with us today. We really appreciate it. You mentioned businesses sort of have stepped up to a certain degree after this season of racial awareness. What can the ENC community do now to bring more diversity to its ranks? Yeah, so we means me. So what can I do? Um, what can others do? Ethics and compliance, fortunately or unfortunately, isn't one of those careers that many people aspire to right out of the university setting. We typically don't hire current college graduates into these roles. I think there's a wonderful opportunity to either bring in new talent from the outside or develop talent from within the company. I'm a great example of someone who was promoted from within my company. You know, I had a, a great leader who saw that, you know, that I could potentially do compliance work for a business and then for the company and then for Corteva. So developing talent from within is a great way to bring diversity into the ranks of ethics and compliance. And another great way that I have also used is to hire external talent and to be very intentional about having a diverse set of candidates to draw from, to personally interview, to panel interview, and to also make sure that we have a diverse set of people looking at the candidates. I recently became aware of a few organizations that we have used to seek out new talent the National Association of Black Compliance and Risk Management Professionals is one of them. There's several women in compliance organizations. And just really intentionally finding candidates that meet our criteria, I think, is one way to really help to find and broaden the pool of talent for ethics and compliance. That's great to hear that they're actually creating those kind of associations and doing that networking, too help bring their profiles up so people know they're there and to uh, have people make sure that, you know, that they're being interviewed and getting those opportunities. And with that, I want to thank you so much for being with us. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you again when we're all allowed to be outside. And until then, stay safe, Cheryl. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for the opportunity. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 
The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.